0: Our Lord Jesus, we thank you that uh, our work uh, as a church is to grow in our love for Jesus, but not just to do that, but to bring others to see his glory. And we pray that you help us to see, even though it's hard, how we might go forward for the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. (laughs) Acts chapter 19 verse 21 now after these things Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem saying after I've been there I must also see Rome and having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while about that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way for a man named obetrius a silversmith who made silver shrines of artemis (laughs) brought no little business to the craftsmen and these he gathered together with the workers in similar trades and said men you know that from this business we have our wealth and you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but also in all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is a danger, not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence she whom all Asia and the world worship. When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, together,
1: Great great is Artemis
0: Artemis of the Ephesians. Very poor. (laughs) So the city was filled with confusion and they rushed together into the theatre, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, who were Paul's companions in travel. and Alexander, motioning with his hands, <coughs> wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized he was a Jew, for about two hours, they all cried out with one voice, Great! is Artemis of the Ephesians. Yes. You need more practice. <laughs> and when the town clerk had quietened the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there? Who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky seeing then that these things cannot be denied he ought to be (coughs) quiet and do nothing rash for you brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious or blasphemous of our goddess if therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone the courts are open and there are proconsuls, let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly, for we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent some of the disciples and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months. And when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Serpiter the Berean son of Pyrrhus accompanied him and of the Thessalonians Aristarchus and Secondus and Gaius of Derby and Timothy and the Asians Tychicus and Trophimus these went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread And in five days we came to them at Troas where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread Paul talked with them intending to depart on the next day and he prolonged his speech until midnight and there were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered and a young man named Eutychus sitting at the window sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer and being overcome by sleep he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead but Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms he said do not be alarmed for his life is in him and when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed and they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted but going ahead to the ship we set sail to Assos intending to take Paul aboard there for he had arranged intending himself to go by land and when he met us at Assos we took him on board and went to Mytilene And sailing from there, we came the following day, opposite Chios. The next day we touched at Samos, and the day after that we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to set sail past Ephesus, so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hasting to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Why? Well, that we will have to keep for another day. In the meantime, our children will go to their different groups and uh, we'll keep the Bible open and come back to it very soon. Now, if you were here last week, you know that uh, we looked at uh, the verse before we started this week because the church that we're in, we just go through the bible bit by bit and we stopped at verse 20 and we're picking up at verse 21 but if you go back to chapter 19 verse 20 you see it's the nature of christianity to grow it says that doesn't it in chapter 19 verse 20 the word of the lord continued to increase and prevail mightily and god's word if you were here last week was able to sort out cleverness it's all confusion uh, kingdom rejection, competition, all that brushed aside and the word of the Lord continues to increase. You might think Christianity is a bit like this. You're surfing the wave and you've got everything going for you and Christians are there on top of the wave and they're making wonderful progress. But these little sections that Luke finishes with these Marker saying the word of the Lord continues to increase and prevail they usually come after sections of setback. And after all setbacks finished, you've got a marker post saying, well, it didn't stop us. It didn't stop God's word. And then you get the next bit of opposition and the next marker post saying, and God's word continue to prevail and multiply. And that means that because the setbacks, Christianity is not like surfing the wave. It often feels like this that you're battered by the waves, you're not so much surfing the waves, you're much more surviving the storm. And tonight I want to look at what is the storm, which tonight will show us is ultimately persecution, or another way to put it is to say opposition, pushback, rejection of the gospel. And... That is what the storm is and what helps us survive the storm Which we can see is going to be encouragement And it comes across in different ways That's what we're going to be looking at tonight But first we start with the storm Which is the storm of persecution Which is, as I said, the rejection of the gospel In the places that we're in you see in chapter 19 verse 20 sure enough there's advance but then what happens afterwards is a riot and a man called Demetrius is making his money out of the goddess called Artemis in uh, Roman speak they used to call her Dinah of the Ephesians Artemis is her Greek name and she is mentioned as great in verse 28 because she certainly had a very great temple in Ephesus imagine A hundred pillars, 60 feet tall, with a great marble roof overhead. It was incredibly brilliant. I think we've all heard of the Parthenon, which is a pretty impressive building in Athens. I think we all have, haven't we? But let me tell you that the temple in Ephesus was four times the size. It was one of the, the wonders of the world. Ah, you couldn't take pictures of it in those days. So what he did was he went to Demetrius's shop and he bought a silver shrine so you could take Artemis home with you. And in verse 24, many people obviously did because it says he brought no small business to Demetrius and his friends. Which is why he didn't like Christianity. Do you want to see a picture of what this little idol looked like? I tell you it was hideous. Uh, Artemis was a goddess with um, many breasts because she was a fertility goddess and so that's where the various bubbles are in the front and Artemis used to make them and he didn't like Christians because well they used to walk past his shop now and go all the way down chapter 19 verse 9 to listen to Paul preach and after they heard Paul preach in verse 25 saying that these gods made my hands are no gods at all well they would walk past the shop on the way home without buying anything on that trip either and what Paul did was he led them to put their trust in a person and not in an idol verse 26 he said are, the gods made my hands didn't work now let me tell you If Demetrius was around in our day, he'd be perfectly happy. Because in our day, Christians like to buy stuff and crosses and wear them around our necks or on our bracelets or um, um, in earrings. And that's just the blokes. Um, And if Demetrius was around these days, You'd have made crosses for the Christians and the Christian jewelry for the Christians, and you'd have made uh, little silver stuff for the pagans. But let me tell you, there was once upon a time a moment in history when Christians used to put the silversmiths out of business, where we didn't buy that stuff. Because ultimately, the way you show you're a Christian is not outwardly in what you wear in badges and the like, but inwardly in how you are and will say, we'll see tonight any what you say. And they put the silversmiths out of business and the silversmiths didn't like being put out of business in verse 25 and 26 because they made their money from that. Many know that from this business we have our wealth. we don't want to lose it only they put a little religious veneer on it in verse 27 and they say uh, we don't want our goddess to lose her reputation but really it's the money that they want to protect and so they start a riot where everybody gets angry in verse 32 but no one knows why they're angry and even why they've come together Friends, let me tell you, it is the nature of crowds to spread anger. Whenever you see a group of people in large number, you will always find anger being generated in the midst. Whether it's a pro-Brexit march or an anti-Brexit march or an anti-something else march, uh, these are places do nothing but generate anger. And in the Bible, the crowds are they angry, never quite sure exactly why, but certainly sure that they're angry. But the town clerk in verse 35 hoses them down with a bit of calm, and incidentally when you read about these official titles like aciarchs. In verse 31 and town clerks in verse 35 you are reading real history because the records show at that time that this is exactly what uh, officials were called and people look at the records and they say how amazing Luke knows exactly what was going on in these places and who was involved he's absolutely right but then you see people don't reject Christianity because it's not true. They reject reject it because Christians say that their idols are not true. And we need to understand that you look at that idol and that's not actually what most people have in their minds when they like idols. Because generally idolatry is more mental than metal and it's true even in their day the real idol was the mental approach that they had to their money not to the little silver shrine that they made and they didn't want to lose their money in their business because then their lives would fall apart and an idol today is whatever we live for you could say mentally that we get our joy from that we get our purpose to life from that if you take that away then our lives fall apart that is what an idol is doesn't have to be money could be career, could be sport could be family a particular relationship that is so important to me if that relationship is not there my world's over, ended I met a young guy but well, he's not actually young. He's he's not a lot younger than me. I I just think they're all young. Um, and he sadly lost his mother recently, and we had a conversation about it. And he said to me, and well, I, I said to him, look, the difficulty is you didn't just lose your mum; you lost your God. Because he lived for his mum. And when I said that to him, that made him say, yes, this is true what you say, but I don't like to admit it. And in the end, uh, I was pushed away. But I got an email from him last week saying, I don't want to live anymore. If I could find a way to kill myself, I would. A way that worked. Now, in his case... The re- resistance didn't come in the shape of a right, but there are different levels in which we can ultimately say, I don't agree with you. And what do we do as Christians? What do we need as Christians when we want people to become Christians in a world where they turn around and say, I don't want <coughs> to have anything to do with you? And that is the one thing we need is encouragement. And we all need it because the pressure to give up being Christians is not because someone's persuaded us that it's not true, we've been wasting our time, no one will ever be able to do that. No, the reason why we want to give up is not because it's not true, but because it's just so hard in a culture and a world that will not uh, take Jesus seriously and want to live for other things and there are two ways for people to give up being Christians one is to walk away and just say this is not for me I I really am not uh, wanting to, to go and offend people and upset them And the other way to give up on Christianity is to go to church. That is to join other people who like my particular hobby and share my interests. And where I keep it within the home team. But outside, every person can believe what they want to believe. It's up to them. Both cases are actually ways of giving up Christianity, which is primarily about helping non-Christians to become Christians. That is what Christianity is about. It is the reason why Jesus came is to rescue people from hell to heaven. If that is not our agenda, our desire, our interest then frankly we are not followers of him and therefore if you are a christian you know that jesus wants us to make disciples of all nations that is what he told us to do it could not have been plainer clearer and therefore all of us will find it hard because we're living in a world that doesn't want to give up its idols and yet that's what we want them to do to follow christ and that's going to be difficult. What is it that we need if that is really our desire and our aim? The answer is encouragement. And There are three ways in which encouragement can come. Um, and that is, first, when we say it in words. After the right ends, Paul gets the disciples together and encourages them in chapter 20, verse 1. I know you've had a right I know that people who prefer their idols don't like Christians but keep going for the gospel and then in verse 2 because this is a common need it happens everywhere that there is pushback he goes through the regions giving them much encouragement don't give up on the gospel in verse 3 Um, He says he's in Macedonia. Now, if uh, verse 3 was an app and uh, you had a tracking device and you could see where Paul was exactly in Macedonia, you will know that he was three months in Corinth. We know that because you can read the letter that he wrote to the Corinthians. And we know that that is actually where he was for three months at that time. And you know what he was doing? He was writing encouragement. He was writing his letter to the Romans which is in our Bible and what's the letter to the Romans about keep going for the gospel it is the power of God for salvation don't be ashamed of it that's what he's doing in verse 3 and what's interesting about verses 7 to 12 is he's now doing it in the context of a church service it is actually the first church service if you like Beckentry church in Troas, you're reading about that in verses 7 to 12. We're not quite so long, perhaps, in the service, but then it's a special evening. Paul's there. And it's uh, a church service. It's the first day of the week. Jews normally met on the Saturday, but now they're meeting on the first day after Saturday, which is Sunday. So now Christians are meeting on a Sunday and they're meeting late. That's probably because most Christians in those days were low-income workers or maybe slaves, and therefore they were meeting, they having to meet after they finished work, which is why it's an evening meeting and it's late, and probably why dear old Eutychus falls out the window, because it's way past his bedtime and he's tired after a full day of hard work. And it seems like they broke bread, which might have been that they're having the Lord's Supper together, And in the context of that kind of meeting, there would have been psalms read, scriptures read, hymns sung. So it's not like Paul is preaching all the time and and nothing else is happening. And please don't think that it's uh, one person rabbiting on non-stop, because if you look at uh, the word that's used in verse 7 and the same word used in verse 9, it's actually the Greek word dialogomai, which is where our English word dialogue comes from. So it's not just one person standing on his feet and going on and on. as towing and froing. And dear old uh, 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 Eutychus, well, it's midnight, isn't it, verse 7, and there are many la- lamps in verse 8. And so poor old Eutychus, he... Uh, is on the window, uh, loses his perch, and falls down three stories and dies. And Paul brings him back to life again. They have a bit of a break for food in verse 11. And then they get on with encouraging. Just makes the point, doesn't it, in a very graphic way, that speaking and spoken encouragement gets more verses than even bringing someone back from the dead which comes across as very low-key here. It's the encouragement that is the thing that counts. That's what's really getting, the, getting the, the description. And that's what we need. Because if we don't have that constant encouragement, that's a huge amount of encouragement. That's what it takes for us to keep going and speaking out for the gospel in the context of a world that doesn't (coughs) want to hear it. Let me tell you, I'm so glad that we belong to this uh, group that our (coughs) churches belong to, which is uh, Co-Mission. And it is a network that is out to pump out evangelists, people living for Jesus, speaking for Jesus. And I tell you, I need that as a pastor when I go and meet up with other pastors. And the whole Uh, focus of our encouragement to each other is don't stop. Whatever you do, keep going out planting churches, helping people in London to become Christians. Uh, Hannah, I wonder, if you just turn the heating off, I think we're slightly on the warm side. Too many lamps. Too many lamps. One way we give encouragement is to say it in words. That's what Paul did. Another way... Which is also something Paul did, is to say it in gifts. Now you say, well, it doesn't say anything about that in this verse, in this in this part of the Bible. Yes, it does. You can see in chapter 19, verse 21, that Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. Everyone with me? Verse 21? Paul resolved the spirit to pass through Macedonia and to go to Jerusalem. We're all there, right? And we know from other letters that Paul wrote. Mainly to the Corinthians, actually, to give us the details. Two Corinthians will tell us a lot about what Paul is doing at this time. He's collecting a gift. But I think the pithiest verse, to put it rather than take you to the chapters of 2 Corinthians, just look up. It's on the notes. Next uh, book along. Uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 26. And you see that that's exactly what he's doing. Uh, Page 950. Keep a finger in... um, Acts chapter 19, 20 and go to page 950 and Romans 15 and verse 26 where it says for Macedonia and Echai these are the places that Paul is in at the moment he's passing through had been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. That's what he is doing at this time. Collecting to encourage in this way the Christians in Jerusalem and therefore when you look at chapter 20 verse 4 and you see the different people in different areas they come from these are all people from the areas where Paul has made his collection and he's taking representatives from those areas to Jerusalem as an accountability team to see that actually the money is getting to uh, where it should go And the work is done to bring the money together to encourage the Christians in Jerusalem. And that would be especially encouraging for them to see these Christians in Jerusalem where the Jews around them are so anti-the gospel and yet they're standing up for the gospel and it's a good thing for them to keep doing that, says Paul, with this money, look, see how the gospel is bearing fruit in non-jewish areas and they want to support you and keep you on your feet so that you continue standing for the gospel living for it where you are it's a great way to encourage people in this financial way that would be such a help and it's how it is frankly with us in our church here in Beckhantry. There are lots of churches outside, well, not lots, but some, that support what we're doing on this estate, where it is really hard to keep constantly going around encouraging people to think more about Jesus than they do. And it's very difficult for us and discouraging for us, and yet we know that there are people outside Who are saying keep going we believe in what you're doing we love what you're doing and we want to keep you doing what you're doing and so they support us and we keep going encouraged to make jesus known because of their gifts and frankly in a small way god has helped us to do that with a pastor in sri lanka and he's in a place where there are lots of roman catholics and where there are lots of hindus And neither of those groups really want to hear about Jesus very much because they've got their own particular ways of doing and living. And yet Bosco is there trying to stand up for the gospel and help people to become Christians where he is. And our money encourages him and keeps him going too. The money that you give goes in these wonderful ways to encourage are the Christians to make Jesus known where they are be encouraged by speaking encouraged by giving and then lastly encouraged by I guess encouraging ourselves saying ourselves saying, encouraging things to ourselves finding our own encouragement as we go along where does he say that here you spotted it haven't you No? Okay, I'll tell you. Verse 13. What happens is they are going ahead and they're going from Troas to uh, Assos, which is there. That's the direction the ship's going. Okay? But in verse 13 you see Paul's actually going on land by himself. And he wants to be by himself. It's the short way to go, so you see that when they finally get to Assos, they don't have to wait for him, they just collect him because he's got there first. But he wants to be by himself. He wants to seek God's encouragement because the way ahead is hard. He knows the storms are going to be there. Ah, It's worth saying that if all... The encouragement we get is from other people then we'll be okay while there are others there to prop us up but there will be times when we're on our own and it'll be hard to survive the storm in times like that and we'll see after easter uh, the next two sundays we'll be leaving Acts. but when we come back after easter we'll see how Paul knows that actually there are big storms in front of him. In fact, you can cheat if you want and look at chapter 20 and verses 22 and 23. And Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what's going to happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in every place I go, imprisonment and afflictions wake me. Yeah, he is going to live for the gospel, speak for the gospel, and all he knows is that the storms are going to come. And the resistance is going to be hard. And so Paul wants, knowing this, he wants to be by himself, to take in God's encouragements to, as it were, absorb them and save them and uh, digest them when we're on our own, so that we can stay close and loyal to him. And carry on making him known. And so uh, we come to an end. What can we learn from what we've heard tonight? In summary, let me pass it out to maybe three different people here in this room. It may be that actually uh, you're maybe new to Christian things. And you're not yet a Christian. Can you see what this part of the Bible is really showing us? That if we're not ultimately following Jesus and living for him, we are going to be living for other things. There is no such a thing as an atheist, a person who says there is no God. We will either live for Jesus, who is God, or we will live for something else, that we get our joy from, that we ultimately find our whole reason and purpose to life, which if it's taken away, like Demetrius and his trade, leaves us with very little. And I want to suggest to you, understand that if you're not a Christian, it's not that you haven't got a God It's just that you've got a God that you're living for That ultimately Is going to leave you high and dry Mm -hmm. And will fail That is not ultimately a God Not able to sustain you in the way that only God can And so therefore give up On the God that you have And find your joy in serving Jesus and the gospel the two go together and start making that the new direction of your life tonight seek god that your life might be changed it might be that you've been to church lots and maybe you learn tonight that treating church a bit like a little club is actually not christianity The vast majority of people going to church are not Christians. Uh, They just have this church veneer, rather like uh, Demetrius had this religious veneer in verse 27, as if he was concerned about Artemis, but really he was concerned about his own idols. And a lot of people might have the veneer, but actually have background idolatry in their lives. Really? they're living for other things because they are not living for the gospel they're not serving the gospel they're not finding their great purpose in life is to make the gospel attractive to those who are outside the church and so we might look like that but effectively really we push back at those who say uh, uh, idolatries are, that is for them taking Christianity too far just keep in my church club and I'll be happy but what we need to understand is that actually the visible mark of someone who's really a Christian is not religion what they do in church but right you know that's how people react to us outside church if we're standing up for the Gospel out there. <coughs> I think I would have said I was a, a Christian, if you'd ask me. I'd gone to church lots when I was a, 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 a young guy. I had to because I went to a school that made you do that. And I would have called myself Christian, but I think if you asked me whether I really wanted other people to become Christians, really, I would have said. Mm-hmm. No, not really. They can do their own thing. It's up to them. That's not a question. Although I went to church while I was saying it. And what really I was doing is living my life for other things. That was the truth of it, really. But if you are a real believer, then I think actually that little picture is probably quite a helpful one to remember, It is the picture of a lighthouse. Our job is to throw light onto the rocks that will ultimately kill every ship that comes within range of those who do not understand or follow Christ. And that is our work. And as we do the work of being a lighthouse, you can expect the storms to come. And therefore, it's our job and our need to give and to receive encouragement. We need it from others. To say that we don't want to meet with Christians is ultimately arrogance because it says, I can stand up for Jesus by myself without needing anybody else, which puts you just into the most proud category of people that you can find. And church becomes an optional extra because, frankly, you don't need it so much. But then that's because you're not a lighthouse. If you really are, then the encouragement needs to come in. And so I guess Christians are always facing two ways, aren't we? If we're with unbelievers, then ultimately we want to, if I could put it like this, evangelise, not in the stand-up-and-preach kind of way, but in wanting, by our lives, by the encouragements we bring people and give to them, to help people to see that Jesus is bigger than perhaps they think he is. And to shrink what else they might be living for as something smaller than they think it is. So whenever we're with non-Christians, the desire is that uh, we, should, we should want to be doing that in even the smallest way we can. Gently, carefully, but courageously. But if we're with Christians, then what we really want to do is to encourage each other not just encourage each other but to encourage each other in evangelism so when george was speaking to me today over lunch and i hadn't prompted him and he didn't know what i was going to say today but he said "Mike, how's it going with your mum i'm praying that she will ultimately turn to jesus even now before it's too late she's of an age that's a brother who's encouraging me to live for the gospel when i'm not here and i'm at home with my mother and she's not a christian i need to be concerned about that doing what i can to help where the opportunity comes otherwise my mind is going to be full of organizing stair for her and carers for her and everything else for her and i'm not going to be thinking of her biggest need which is christ now you might think, well, I'm a pastor, I don't need encouragement for that. Absolutely I do. Because as George asked me, I suddenly wondered, when was the last time I really prayed for my mother to become a Christian? And he was such a help. Uh, we are going to find it hard following Jesus in the world, because our job in following Jesus is to make him known in the world. And so therefore, it's our joy to do that by speaking of him. But ultimately, to do that, we need the encouragement of each other. By people saying, let me encourage you to keep going in making him known. In working with outsiders to make Jesus attractive. Let me encourage you to do that with my words. Let me encourage that work to be done through gospel gifts, The way we give our money is to encourage this work to go forward. And let me take time out to walk through the challenges of people who want to ultimately uh, resist Jesus, where my life is engaged with them, to walk with God, to pray through those opportunities and challenges And to draw in encouragement, not to give up. Because ultimately, the storm is uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. the winds are strong. And so we need encouragement like that. And we need to bring that encouragement as a church to each other. But let me stop there. And uh, you pray as you would like to pray. Uh, maybe from what God has spoken to you about this evening. might have been quite a challenging um, encouragement to hear, but let's take it in. In a moment of quiet, you talk to God about what you think he is saying to you through this part of the Bible. Well let me pray Our Lord God we do want to Thank you that your word uh, Shows us what we know in our own hearts And there are so many other things that we would much rather have Than opportunities to speak about Jesus And so our mind goes on to What's in the diary for tomorrow The planning out of next week And all the different concerns of this world. Mm. And Father, that's something that uh, is ultimately going to make us uh, no different to anybody else in the idols that we live for and chase after. And yet, our Father, we do want to thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the extent that he went to to save us from hell for heaven, and it just seems uh, so unlike Him, Father, if we uh, are uh, careless of where people might spend their future, and so we pray that You would please her past <coughs> as a church um, to constantly be uh, lovingly encouraging each other uh, not to give up and to just circle the wagons and to say what a lovely thing church is because the relationships here are so great and help us we pray instead to take the strength that we bring uh, from you, uh, from each other to go out into the world and to continue speaking up for the attractiveness of Jesus and uh, to show the idols that people live for are nowhere near as important or significant or ultimately eternal. Please help us to be uh, clear about this and to keep each other going as we do this in our estate And we pray this for the glory of your name. Amen.